Hello there, chaps and chapesses. It's Chappy, your British butler, Keep Calm and Colofauci's episode 152. Happy New Year. Welcome along to another year of podcasts. Will we make it? Will we push through to the other side? Let's hope so, because last year was absolutely fantastic. You were a, an admirable crutch. Yes, I said crutch, not crotch. Don't see myself as some flaccid wee winkle. I'm upstanding, a giant among podcasting types, like Atlas with a head over the clouds in the podcasting world. That's how we like to see ourselves in our own little absurd cocoon that we like to call Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. But it's lovely to have you here. Now, sorry about the delay on this one. It has to be said, technical issues uh, did plague the whole situation. But you know what? What's better than launching a podcast on Blue Monday? Now, I know it's not officially Blue Monday. Blue Monday is meant to be the 21st of January or the first Monday that's around that time. But this is the worst one. The first Monday of the new year. I know in the UK you're having New Year's observed or whatever it's called. But uh, back to the... uh, Back in the US here, nose to the brimstone, nose to the grindstone, whatever you want to call it, back down in the mines, we're uh, up an atom today, and yeah, it's, I tell you something, I mean, I loved the snowstorm the other day, but taking those hounds for the walk this morning, that was a tough one, but what I wanted to say, and I started putting together some thoughts yesterday, and who knows, maybe one day there'll be Chappie's Lost Tapes, Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese Lost Tapes, the episode that I made when I was just walking along on a dog walk, an icy frozen tundra of a dog walk. Yes, I started putting together a podcast, 30 minutes of prime material that nobody will ever probably hear. And in essence, it was find your happy space. Because I was thinking yesterday, I don't know. I mean, I'm having technical issues. I don't know if I can get together or have the wherewithal to put together the podcast. And I couldn't. Mentally and technically. Or is it one of the same thing? I don't know. But anyway, what I wanted to say, though, is you have to find your happy spot, your happy space. That sort of cozy, warm, cuddly soft squishy marshmallowy type of place that you like to go to mine is a dog walk although this morning bitter frigid cold first monday of january yeah that's probably not my favorite ever dog walk but most of the time is what i love doing the hounds love it i love it it is exhilarating and you just get a fresh air in the lungs you're at one with nature you're seeing deer you're seeing foxes it's absolutely phenomenal. And that's my happy space. And that's what I said that this year, you need to find whatever makes you happy. Could it be painting? Could it be making carrot cake? Whatever well, is making carrot cake, hope, hope it's some moist variety. Uh, with a lovely bit of white icing on top there. That sort of cream cheese frosting icing. Oh, absolutely lovely. Yeah. As you can guess, I haven't ventured to the gym yet. I, I still don't know if the gym... Here at Chavy Towers, we'll open 
when I go to it? Will, will the card work? Or will it say, you know what, I'm not gonna let you enjoy You're gonna put too much strain on the bike. Yeah, that's, that may happen. The, the, the door may not even be ajar. It may not allow me in. If I do decide to go, I am going to the gym this year at some point. Yeah. Promises, promises, New Year's resolutions and all. How many New Year's resolutions have uh, fallen by the wayside with you this year so far? Well, no, I'm trying to be purposeful. I'm trying to start as I mean to go on. But I do have a whole bag of those Lindor balls that I hid away from my lovely daughters. I mean, they got some, you know, they got a whole bar of Cadbury's chocolate. Well, half a bar, really, half of it. But they had a, they had a wee bar of uh, Cadbury's chocolate. Yeah, that's the good stuff. But, you know, the limp balls wouldn't let them tell. I mean, I always say that they're alcoholic and not for children to eat anyway. So they probably think Lindor is, uh, makes alcoholic balls. No, no, no. It's, it's our little secret. Don't tell anybody that, whatever you do. But... Yes, yeah, so it's that sort of forlorn day. It's Blue Monday, and I see a couple of very, very lonely-looking mince pies that I don't think I'm ever going to eat. Now, how long am I going to hold on to those mince pies in the thought that I might actually consume them? I mean, it's been probably four or five days since I've had a mince pie, but I'm still hanging on. I'm hanging on with the Christmas decorations. I'm going to see it out until the epiphany. Because if anything can get us through, it's the last remnants of Christmas. So some of the things that we may or may not be talking about on the podcast today. So uh, the end of bad leisure wear for men. Can we put an end to bad leisure or leisure wear for men? Uh, also, how can I remove my Wellington boots? Yes, removing the Wellington boots is a trial when you haven't got a step ready at hand. Like in old Chappy Towers, plenty of steps to like, you know, press the boot against and then haul out the calf because those things are they fit like a bloody rubber glove. Uh, so yeah, finding a way of removing the Wellington boots can be very challenging. Brussels sprouts aren't just for Christmas. Yes, my reintroduction to the love of the sourdough bread. I know this is real. <laughs> this is real carb Well, the Brussels sprouts aren't. I mean, you can get away with Brussels sprouts if you're if you're going to loosen up the whole carb level that you're uh, enjoying over the Christmas period and since then. But uh, yeah, the sourdough bread, once you taste that, I think it's very, very difficult to, uh, to give up bread. Also, found myself a perfect seasonal toothpick for those slightly wonky British teeth. Uh, also, Gen Z and their little white dogs. Um, also, more people this last month were listening to the podcast. I'm going to give you a, I'm going to hazarding a guess why there's more people listening to the podcast and also, I did hear about uh, a couple that decided to fast just before Christmas. And I'm going to give you the results and what happened afterwards. We do have a lovely trump or trombone. We may be rummaging around with Chappie's rubbish poker game. 
Uh, we may be talking about men in shorts in winter, unexpected accents, and also my take on the whole metaverse. Yes, my, I'm sure everybody's been waiting for this. I'm sure Elon Musk, Bezos, Tim Apple, all of them have been waiting to hear Chappie's take, the butler's take on the whole metaverse. Oh, and I forgot Zuckerberg as well. He's the whole metaverse uh, situation. Yeah, he's a he's a whole he's a founder. He's the emperor of the metaverse. Anyway, worth seeing a little movie that I saw. Um, it was uh, it was actually it, it was what you call an, an apocalyptic classic. Netflix, don't look up. And Jennifer Lawrence is in there, and she's. I mean, she's sporting a very interesting haircut. I mean, it's got bangs at the front and then some sort of mullet going along in the back, which means uh, many people are thinking that the mullet is once again going to resurface. I know every year people say the mullet's back in. And we had the Tiger King. I mean, who else (laughs) but the Tiger King to introduce the fashion of the mullet? I mean, the great thing is during 2020... People were locked down. You can see maybe you get away with wearing your hair in a, like a mullet fashion. Maybe you could get away with a whole mulletude thing. But Jennifer Lawrence is sporting some sort of mullet. And um, people are saying that the mullet could be back in this year. I've got a long way to go. <clears throat> because I'm short at the sides and long on top. Unless they reverse my head, you know, Wurzel Gummidge style. Where, you know, Wurzel the Scarecrow used to take his head off and, you know, if he wanted Aunt Sally's head, he could do that. I mean, it's very, very confusing, all the different heads that Wurzel Gummidge the Scarecrow had. But if I could reverse my head, then I could probably bring back the mulletude in 2022. So, New Year, New Soup. Well, I think I did suggest, I made a subtle suggestion to the listener about the most delicious soup. And I'm revisiting now because I think, you know, forget keto, forget fasting. I think the best way of losing weight is to just drink liquids. And I mean, I'm not talking about booze. I'm not talking about beer. I'm not talking about martinis. I'm talking about soup. Let's just soup it up for January. Let's just eat and consume soup. I mean, I need to because I'm hunched over the microphone at the moment and this rather annoying handmade belt is digging into the stomach. I mean, I need to loosen it. Let me just loosen this a little bit. I have to make room for the, uh, I have to make room for the soup. I have to make room for the leek potato soup. It's a soupy chowder. Is it more chowder than soup? Is chowder a little thicker than your common or garden soup? I don't know. It's a big question. But the leek and potato soup is an absolute delicatessen de lata. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, rich sort of thickness of the potato, pureed. I like a few lumps. I like my, I like my, <laughs> I like my soup like I like my cellulite, a little lumpy. I don't want it completely smooth. Uh, bonjour, monsieur. Je voudrais le cellulite soup or le cellulite potage. Uh, give me some of that lumpy 
cellulite patage, please. I do not want it smooth, I want it bumpy. Bumpy? Yeah. So, that's what I'm going to be eating. Slightly lumpy leek and potatoes soup. You can't make it too perfect. You can't make it too smooth. Because I just don't want that. I want, I want, uh, I want some chewing action. But I think everybody should masticate regularly. I mean, that's the thing. I think if we soup it up in January, mastication February, I mean, it's perfect for Valentine's Day. Well, I guess you don't want to be doing too much masticating if it's, uh, you know, the, the month of love. But chewing's good. I mean, chewing good, getting those gnashes working is, uh, is exercise itself. And that's why these, all these voice actors do how now brown cow the raid in spain more mainly on the plane but that's what i'm going to suggest to you a little chappy hint firstly find your happy space and that may be bathing in leek and potato soup now i don't know if bathing i mean i think if you pour a bath if you run a draw a bath of uh, leek and potato soup i mean it might be a little bit too rich and if you add a little bit of Stilton on the end, I mean, if you sprinkle Stilton at the end of the soup, you're having a bath and you take a, a small wafer thin piece of Stilton and, and crumble it on top of the bath as you're in there. I mean, could, could the Stilton cause all sorts of rashes? I, just, I wonder, I mean, I don't think it, maybe it rashes up the insides and we don't even know about it. But, um... I'm more worried about that fungi getting in places it shouldn't be getting. So yeah, if you're running a, maybe just stick to the cheddar. You know, I wouldn't go with blue cheese in the bath with you if you're if you're frolicking around in a in a slightly lumpy leek and potato soup bath. Yeah, you you may not want to you may not want to add that blue cheese fungus on top of there. Keep that to when it's in the bowl, not in the bath, darlings. So yes, so we've already got two months sorted out. We have supered up January and mastication February. I have some very, very concerning news. So it's been just over a week since Christmas. But to burn off your Christmas dinner, you need to go jogging. Yes, jogging is, didn't say running. It doesn't say sprinting. But you'd have to go jogging for six hours. So the average person, it says the average Briton, I don't know if it's the average Canadian, the average American, average African, Frenchy. Well, the Frenchies like, you know, smoking, so they're all skinny. So they could probably, wouldn't have to jog as long with they're so skinny, but they'd be out of breath quicker because they smoke so much. But anyway, the average person in, let's say, the first world would have to basically walk 50 miles to burn off their Christmas dinner, according to experts. Or they would have to set off on a six-hour Boxing Day jog to lose the 3,475 calories gained from the traditional meal. Amanda Daly, Professor of Behavioral Medicine at Loughborough University. I mean, first of all, you need to look at the type of behaviors that you would actually consume nearly 4,000 calories. I mean, I'm sure we all did. 
just probably the pigs in blanket at maybe a thousand and a half. Um, but calculated the energy intake in a typical festive menu. She said, for an adult weighing 84 kilograms, and here's one confusing from one for the Americans here, 13 stone, two pounds. Now, remember stone, 14 pounds are in a stone, darlings. All right. It'll take 12 hours of steady paced walking, about four miles an hour. This is the equivalent of walking approximately 50 miles, or if you prefer the jog, five or six hours. A Yule log, yeah, well, that's not for the constipated, is it? The Yule log equated to just over two hours. So if you, if you consume a Yule, Yule log, it's two hours, walking 610 calories, while two glasses of Prosecco added up to 230 calories, requiring a 46-minute walk. Two slices, turkey plus pigs in blankets came to 360 calories. Well, that's not that bad. Another 72 minutes of walking. Daly said... It's important that people understood the true energy cost of food to encourage some restraint in their eating and perhaps think about twice about eating something like your lock to reduce the size of the piece they cut. Adults often consume 6,000 calories, I probably hit that mark, on Christmas Day, three times the recommended daily total for women and double that of men. And they did a little survey. Do you plan to start a new fitness regime in the new year? This is in the London Times. A, yes, I need to take action. B, no, I'm fine as I am. No, C, January too cold. Yeah, January is too cold. Uh, no, 56% said, I'm fine as I am. God damn it, I'm going to keep consuming those pigs and blankets and I'm going to have another slice of the yog yog. Can we please talk about bad leisure wear for men? Now, women have it down. Their leisure wear is tight, it's fitted, it looks good, it's not too baggy, but with men. First of all, some of them just go with the oversized band t-shirt that probably goes down to their knees. Other people do the uh, Britney Spears uh, little shirt that just shows off half of the Christmas Yule Log belly. Yes, and then dad shorts, so baggy, no support, no support chaps, need a little bit more support. And then uh, bad, slightly discolored white socks and uh, sneakers that look like they uh, were in fashion when John McEnroe still played tennis. Yeah, it's not a good look. Now, I'm not saying that men should necessarily do the tight lycra look of the ladies, but something may be in between here. And another thing, so freezing cold, snowstorm Colorado on uh, New Year's Eve night, an absolute blizzard, went down to one degree uh, Fahrenheit overnight. A day later, when it was probably maybe 25 degrees, saw a gentleman, full puffer, North Face or Patagonia jacket, one of the typical Colorado jackets, Beanie hat, of course, the obligatory beanie that I so detest. And then, shorts, dad shorts. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know what it is. I mean, do, are these men so confident in their legs? They're so confident in the pegs, they want to show them off constantly. And I, this goes across, I mean, I know so many guys who just wear shorts all the time. Shorts around the house, shorts outside. 
Now, I mean, I don't want to show off my varicose veins, but maybe an icy blast in the varicose veins, if I did wear shorts, could be what is needed. Does cryotherapy, uh, can you get rid of, can you get rid of varicose veins by basically taking an ice bath or something along those lines? I mean, maybe. I mean, that could be the way forward. But bad leisure wear for men. Let's say no for that in 2022. And for God's sakes, chaps, can you buy yourself a pair of trousers? The dad shorts are just so last year or last century, maybe. Try before you buy with Lickable Taste the TV. Shoppers could soon try before they buy by tasting what's on offer after a professor in Japan designed a television with a lickable screen. The teacher at Maija University in Tokyo has unveiled a new prototype called the Taster TV. It's TTTTV. TTT. TTTTV. Built with 10 flavor canisters that combine to create taste of different foods and drinks. The flavor is carried out to the screen on a roll of disposable film. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, disposable doesn't really doesn't really carry carry much weight here. It makes you a little I'm a little bit concerned with the disposable roll. <laughs> the goal is to make it possible for people to have the experience of something like eating at a restaurant on the other side of the world. Homi Mashashiti, assistant professor of Merger University, told reporters of the demonstration. The professor envisages applications for TTTV which could include sommelier training, quizzes, and digital menus at restaurants. He is in discussion with companies about using the technology for devices that would spray flavors onto toast and other food. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, just imagine if you uh, you press the wrong button and got stinky old uh, kippers sprayed onto your toast. Yeah, that wouldn't... Uh, that wouldn't really get me going first thing in the morning, I have to say. At the demonstration, Yuki Ho, a major university student, told the screen that she wanted to try sweet chocolate. I mean, whatever. Well, I guess there's bitter chocolate, isn't there? After a few attempts, the machine acknowledged the order and sprayed the flavor onto a film. It kind of tasted like milk chocolate. It was sweet, like a chocolate sauce. Mayashiti and 30 other students in his laboratory have also created other taste related technology such as the fork that enhances the flavor of food eaten with it the inventor said he had hoped that technology like this could strengthen connections interactions between people during the pandemic i mean this is the worst invention during a pandemic i mean do you have to like bleach down the screen so one person licks it then the next person licks it I mean, it's more hygienic going to an orgy, I would think. Mashashiti built the prototype himself and estimates that it could go on the market for a price of approximately 100,000 yen, about 650 pounds. I mean, also, if somebody has like rancid breath and then licks the screen and then somebody else goes in, oh my God, it, did, uh, it smells like, uh, it smells like fishy breath. Oh, it, it smells like, um, arse. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is the whole thing. I mean, it's like the worst possible COVID invention ever. Like, random people 
going around licking a TV screen. Oh, those crafty French. Celtic-speaking French conquered Bronze Age Britain with cheese. The invasion of 1066 was not the first French incursion to change Britain radically. The largest study of ancient human DNA has revealed some 2,000 years before William the Conqueror brought Moat and Bailey castles, Norman surnames, and the feudal system to these islands. A migration during the late Bronze Age has already changed the landscape. The newcomers appear to have brought early Celtic languages with them, the ancestors of modern Welsh and Scottish Gaelic. They also carried a hefty biological advantage. They could digest milk. This would not also given them the access to important new sources of protein which could be preserved as cheese. The survival prospects of their children are likely to have increased as a result. The findings come from the study of the DNA of 793 individuals who lived and died during the Bronze Age. Their genetics point towards a large-scale migration which probably from modern-day France is what is now England and Wales. This influx eventually replaced about half the ancestry of Britain. So the research team includes experts at University of York, Harvard Medical School and University of Vienna and they believe that the work supports a recent theory that early Celtic languages came to Great Britain from France during this period. Oh, those alluring French bringing their wiles and sexy fromage. They're bringing their creamy double brie. I mean, I guess we have to thank the... I think we have to thank the French for bringing the DNA and the genetics and the cheese to make life more bearable. I mean, how could we live these days without a mature cheddar or a smelly Roquefort or maybe that utterly creamy, delicious Gruyere? Oh. I mean, we have to thank the French. I mean, it's, it's probably, forget, you know, they're not... Over the years, they haven't been the great, greatest in battle and they do like to wave the white flag. But you know what they needed to do during those times, during the Napoleonic times, when they liked to wave the white flag on occasion? They should have just brought cheese. Because cheese would have been the best type of negotiation tactic ever. I mean, who would be able to turn down a delicious, creamy, Brie. I mean, there would never be any need for fisticuffs, would there? If uh, if you come in in a, like an aggressive situation and battle is about to commence, and you unwrap the cheesecloth and there's a lovely boisson in there, or maybe, as I said, maybe a brie noir, or possibly a bleu de brasse. I mean. <laughs> This is a whole thing. You would never have to fight again. Maybe this is what the French were missing in their latter warring days. Maybe they needed a cheesecloth full of cheese. And never again would they have to set forth in battle. So here we have the latest from my favourite Very British Problems official. 50,000 calories over Christmas plus brisk walk equals no calories and uh yeah is it too early to throw away that one parsnip and two brussels sprouts you have covered in cling film in the fridge just give it another two days and uh are you going for a run 
No, I'm just watching telly all day in my gym kit. So I didn't get round to this uh, on New Year's Eve. But this is from Bobby Lefebvre. He's almost like the poet laureate here in Colorado. And this is like reflective at the end of the year and beginning of the new year. It is the last day of the year and I don't remember the resolutions I made. There is probably something truly existing about giving more than I take, about stamps on the passport, about love, always love. I probably said I wanted to make things that matter, to push this mind and mortal flesh to its very limit. Maybe I said I would follow my ballooning heart to the brink of bursting. Maybe I exploded or imploded when introspection became too much. The memories in my pocket remind me of how gluttonous I feel, how nothing in the middle ever feels like enough. There is much success to celebrate. I'll take a moment to frolic in the roses, dance for a job well done. I'll adjust to the crown of laurels that sits humbly on my head. I'll look back at my labor with love. Also, I will not ignore the sirens. I refuse to tune out the screams. Sometimes life is an exercise in escape. Sometimes like blood trying to find the fastest way out of its own body, forget not that we are celestial and that stars always shine most brilliant when the sky is the darkest anyway. So what does your smell say about you? Your body constantly emits information about your diet, emotions, age and health, as well as your suitability as a mate. What does your body smell reveal about you? A lot, it happens. Your emotions also, how robust your immune system is. If you're getting sick with such a disease such as COVID, it can even reveal who you might marry. Your body is constantly radiating information and this information leaks into the air. Exactly how we detect and interpret smell remains a mystery, however. Your body's scent consists of three layers, all emanating from the skin at the surface level. We fight, stink with deodorants and showering. The middle level stems from the cultural factors like diet and environment. Beneath those levels, under layers of sweat lotions and last night's chili, you might find the person's baseline smell. This smell is unique to you like a thumbprint, and it telegraphs surprisingly detailed information about your health. The key to this uh, personal smell signature is one major histocompatibility complex, or MHC. MHC genes are the most variable in all nature, says Rachel Hertz in her book, The Scent of Desire. Your cluster of 50 MHC genes forms the underlying genotype of your body's immune system. The phenotype of how genes express themselves to the world is emitted as your body's baseline scent. Because MHC genes are co-dominant, each parent's genes contributes its bit towards the child's immune system. One big reason a particular mate smell attracts us is that MHC genes and the immune systems the genes control differ and complement our own. You're recognizable by your smell from birth. Oh, the withered turnip. Or, oh, the sweet smell of parsnip. Study after study confirms that mothers and babies know after each first by their smell. In one experiment, clinicians exposed newborns to one pad saturated in their mother's breast milk and another's an unscented pad. Most of the newborns moved towards a pad smelling like their mum. Fathers are no slouches in the smelling department either. In another study, 15 mothers and 12 fathers were asked to sniff bottles of amniotic fluid and chose the one belonging to their child. 12 of the mothers and 11 out of the 12 fathers 
chose correctly. So your smell works. The smell of molecule odorant travels up your nostrils. It's a long way to go up mine. I mean, it's like going up the uh, M11 here, where olfactory neurons detect it, receptor proteins inside the neurons bind to it, and how this binding works is still a riddle. The shape of the smell molecule seems to determine which receptor type it'll bind to, like the key in fitting into a lock. But we have 400 receptor types we're distinguishing among countless millions of smells. And ladies and mantelpieces, you can smell happiness. In another study, researchers collected sweat samples from participants who have just watched a happy film, Disney's Jungle Book, or scary clips from Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Researchers then asked other participants to sniff those sweat samples while... I mean, it just sounds absolutely disgusting here. God, just imagine if you're watching The Conjuring. You'd probably smell like an old turnip at that point. Volunteers sniffed the happy-smelling samples and grinned instinctively. They also grimaced in fear at the scared-smelling samples. I, I mean, now I'm questioning myself as a horror movie buff. A lot of us are hugging again after long COVID-induced hiatus, so I wouldn't start doing that quite yet. All go licking televisions. The next time you embrace a friend, sniff deeply. I mean, that's a little bit rude if you go and like put your put your snack into somebody's armpit. Oh, oh you smell absolutely, absolutely fabulous, my dear. Oh, it's trample trombone dears. Woman praised for tricking her boyfriend and forcing him to eat vegan food. A woman had been praised for tricking her boyfriend into eating vegan food. As although he initially loved it, now he thinks it's disgusting. Sharing her story anonymously, the woman said that she had a boyfriend who was supportive of her diet choice, but he was a staunch meat eater. She would then feed him whenever he came round, but instead of giving him real meat, she would give the vegan alternative such an impossible burger. Eventually, she told him and he was furious, saying it was disgusting and she shouldn't have tricked him, even though he previously said that they taste absolutely amazing. I mean, she may be trying to save the planet by going vegan, but harming the relationship with added flatulence and methane. A man has been left baffled by buying a box of cat food and finding a hidden spy camera inside the box. The man who wishes to remain anonymous said that he was buying food for his pet cat, Lilliput and Goliath, and he absently mindedly picked up the box of Purina Gourmet cat food. When he got home, he put it in a cupboard and later his girlfriend took it out and noticed there was a hole cut in the side of the box. And when they opened it, they claimed they found a camera and transmitter hidden inside. The man said he had no idea who put the camera in there or so far he's unable to recover any footage from the device. The man said the camera's lens was crudely hidden in the packaging and in the box that had been opened that subtly shut to make it look like it was indeed sealed. I mean, if the cat swallows a camera, it could be a new sort of ringworm cam. After a tough couple of years battling the pandemic, many households have been putting their Christmas decorations up as early as the beginning of November to get in the festive spirit. But when is it acceptable to take them down? A mum has divided opinion online after she revealed that she takes her Christmas tree down. So Sonia Parker has an exceptionally clean living room after she gets rid of all of her festive decorations on the evening of the 25th. 
The on-screen caption says, what kind of mum puts their Christmas tree up and then takes it down Christmas night before the kids go to bed? She never expected the video to get so much attention. Probably the sort of parent who doesn't let their kids play with toys, paint, Play-Doh, etc. Why is she even bothering putting it up? These comments normalize taking down Christmas trees whenever we please. Some people rely on normality. A little understanding goes a long way. Well, I'm leaving mine up. But the wise man would say, wait until the epiphany on the 6th, but don't give her the needle if the needles are dropping. Okay, so welcome to the first edition of Chappie's Rubbish Poker in the new year. So we go to the skip outside Chappie Towers. There's some wondrous things in this skip. We've seen partridge carcasses. We've seen Austin Powers sofas. We've seen weird shapes, baubles. We've seen sex toys. We've seen everything. So we equate it to a game of poker. We have a front hand, a back hand. Do we get a royal flush? Will you get royal flush? I mean, it's all sorts of nonsensical wonders. But I tell you something. I mean, what a front hand do we have? If you had this hand in poker, you'd be very excited. So yesterday I saw parked outside the skip, the rubbish disposal area here at Champy Towers. I saw a Dyson vacuum cleaner. Now, what I didn't say as I was with my darling at the time, she said, oh look, there's a Dyson. Okay. Now, I have to admit, later in the evening, I did wander back over there with the dogs to see if it was still there, because I wanted to plug it in to see if it would work. But, I give to you something even more special. Yes, well, this is like a this is like a hand of poker. I mean, this is if I had this hand, I wouldn't. I don't even know what it is. But you had the front hand. It was a Dyson vacuum cleaner. Now, if you had that in a game of rubbish poker, you'd be pretty happy. And you, I know you would go and plug it in to see if it would still work. Yes, you would. Don't deny it. You would go in and see if it worked too. But anyway, I don't even know what this is. But our winning hand this week, the Royal Flush, the backhand, is a full box of Clump Seal. What on earth is Clump Seal? But that's our winner on Rubbish Poker, first of the year. Okay, so Fish Risk Sharp Bike to Scratch an Itch. Fish are prepared to take huge risks to satisfy an itch by rubbing themselves up against sharks. The targeting of a predatory by the prey for this purpose is seen uh, nowhere else in the natural world. Shark skin is covered with tiny tooth-like scales, also called dermal denticles. <laughs> I'd love myself a dermal denticle, which provides a rust and paper for the irritating fish, says Neil Hammerschlag, an associate professor. We suspect that rubbing against the shark skin may play a vital role in removing parasites or other irritants from the skin. Well, maybe we should try rubbing the shark against Donald Trump. The idea of the study was born when Lacey Williams and Alexandra Asset were tracking great white sharks in South Africa using a drone. They spotted a passing school of fish, abruptly turned tail to pursue the shark and use its tail as a pumice stone. 
After fleeing the behavior repeatedly during fieldwork, they delve through the footage, witness statements and photographs to find dozens of similar incidents in 13 locations in three of the oceans. Eight different shark species were observed by rubbed by 12 fish species, with up to 100 individuals chafing against the sharks for between a few seconds. This is really ubiquitous, common behavior, so it must serve as some ecological function. Jonathan Balcom, an independent animal behavior biologist, said awareness, intelligence, and optimism would not rule such a pleasure as a motive. Therapeutic role of touch in relieving stress in fishes and other species, he added. I mean, that's there was a trend like maybe six, seven years ago where people would go and stick their feet into a tank and basically have little fish chew off the dead skin. I mean, I think it's going to go one step further. You're going to get people jumping into tanks, rubbing up against great white sharks, just to get rid of the excess skin, darlings. So one of my favorite Twitter handles at the end of last year, beginning this year, is rate my plate. Rate my plate. It's on Twitter, and basically people take pictures of their food. So here's an example. We're going to play this game fairly constantly, but I absolutely love it for the comments. So you've got a huge gorilla-sized plate of roast meat stuffing. There's roast beef that's underdone, a little bit of gravy, some turkey on there, and some pigs in blanket. And the other plate, you have Brussels sprouts, broccoli, roast potatoes. It's a whole plate. It's a whole cornucopia of vegetables. Anyway, so this gentleman says, roast for one wouldn't fit on one plate, so I had to use two. This is Davy D. Davy D on Rate My Plate. And these are some of the comments. Have you checked that Davy is still alive? Can he bend in the middle? Do you only have two plates, Davy? Because it doesn't fit on two either. It's twisting my mind. Deselects Davy for Mars mission. Oh, that would feed a family. Greedy fat funt. <laughs> yes, I said greedy cat funt. Uh, don't worry. Two ambulances on the way for Davy D and a pickup truck for the roast dinners been taken to a nearby Toby Carvery apparently he had a rush on lose the spuds and I'd dive in there gladly what a superb roast roast for one family Davy as you're chatting up shit bruv I'm not fat but I don't have any more normal people that's because I'm Barry Allen that looks incredible but it would kill me Davy after tackling this and then there's a picture of King Kong. The gravy ratio is well off kilter. Thank you for listening to this Blue Monday podcast. It's been lovely having you here. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. Listen to us across all platforms. Apple Music, there's an audio version. Spotify, there's an audio version. Slacker Breaker. Also Audible, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon Music. I mean, as you were carving into Davey D's roast emanating from the whole evolution of gravy and roast meat together you could hear keep calm and cauliflower cheese as a chemical reaction occurred in your stomach with the extra hot horseradish sauce but if you like music and you may like music then you should listen to the musical butler emporium edition of the podcast where we have some style council we also have some travis 
we have some Cassis is Dead, we have some Divine Comedy, we have some Lavrella Costa, uh, we also have some Ariana Grande, we have some President of the United States of America, Calvin Harris. Oh, some Yacht Work Rock to finish as well as we always do. But this has been the special Blue Monday edition of the podcast, hopefully cheering you up on possibly the worst day of the year. This is The Darkling Thrush by Thomas Hardy. I leant upon the coppice gate when frost was spectre grey and winter's dregs made desolate the weakening eye of day. The tangled bind stems scored the sky like strings of broken lyres and all mankind that haunted nigh had sought their household fires. The land's sharp features seemed to be the century's corpse outlent. His crypt the cloudy canopy, the wind his death lament. The ancient pulse of German birth was shrunken hard and dry, and every spirit upon the earth seemed feverless as I. At once a voice arose among the bleak twigs overhead in a full-hearted evensong of joy illimited. An aged thrush, failed, gaunt and small, in blast refruffled plume, had chosen thus to fling his soul upon the glowing groom. So little cause for carolings of such ecstatic sound was written on terrestrial things afar and nigh around that I could think there were trembled through his happy good night air, some blessed hope whereof he knew, and I was unaware. Thank you for listening to this Blue Monday edition of the podcast. Hopefully it's cheered your slightly depressed and withered souls. Why not go and make yourself a nice hot cup of leek and potato soup? That will certainly warm the cockles of everybody's heart. Until later in the week, towards the weekend, where we have another couple of editions of the podcast. Cheerio for now.